Hello and welcome to the I Create Daily Podcast. I'm Leora Alderson. And I'm Devani Alderson. We are the mother-daughter co-founders of the I Create Daily brand. We are passionate about encouraging positivity, creativity, and productivity while bringing you information and resources that support your creative aspirations. I Create Daily is for creators in every genre of creating, from musicians to writers, crafters to inventors, bloggers to entrepreneurs. So if you're into creating anything, this podcast has something for you. So tell us, what would support you most in your journey? You can reach us at creators at iCreateDaily.com. Thank Thank you you for for joining joining us us on this journey. journey. Hello and welcome to the I Create Daily podcast, conversations for kindling creativity for anyone in pursuit of the creative life. I'm Devani. And I'm Leora. We're so excited to share today's guest with you because she speaks to the heart of creators. Heidi Rose Robbins is an esoteric astrologer, poet, podcaster, and leader of Radiant Life Retreats. As a poet, Heidi has shared her original work at two TEDx events in Los Angeles, which we will be sure to link in the show notes because they had us in tears and chills today. They're fabulous. She has also two published poetry books with incredible titles. This one is This Beckoning Ceaseless Beauty. The other is Wild Compassion. The Radiance Project, her podcast, combines her love of astrology, poetry, and good company. In her astrological practice, Heidi has supported many men and women through major life transitions, spiritual crises, and growth opportunities. Heidi's Radiant Life Retreats, another great name, The Radiant Life is Fantastic, has helped many women live fuller, more expressive, and courageously loving lives. Heidi lives in Southern California with her husband and two children. Welcome, Heidi Rose Robbins. Thank you both. So happy to be here with both of you. So great to have you. you. And as an incredible creative polymath and somebody who's just so talented in so many different areas, where did you start? How did your creative endeavors become your work? Was it poetry or astrology? Like what, what What were the sparks in the beginnings of your journey? Oh, it's a, such a good question. And I feel so fortunate that I get to do this work in my life, that I got to build a life where my creative life can, you know, come to the fore. So, um, well, I was, I, I lived in North Dakota, Marble, North Dakota when I was a kid, and my dad was an opera director at the time. So I was always in, you know, theaters. And I, as a kid, I was always um, running through and watching the plays. And I, and I, and I, followed the course of acting for quite some time um, and just loved the idea of performance. And even as a young adult, I would work with high school students with um, acting and teaching them all of that. But also from the time I was 10 or 11, I started writing poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so poetry has been in my life throughout that entire time. Performing has been in my life throughout that entire time. And my dad, is an astrologer and was when I was born. And so I grew up in a household where the spiritual life was also so deeply emphasized. And um, so they sort of wove together to create this creative slash spiritual life. Fantastic. And your poetry is profound. We were listening to it this morning, one of your TEDx talks, and I believe it was... um, rebellious though we have it here oh it's the rebellion one and yeah. it was yeah, just it. oh it spoke to us Rebel- revolutionary in disguise Re- revolutionary yeah. in disguise yes yeah. and it was just such a beautiful poem and your performance of it was so 
evocative. Yeah, invocative. Right invocative, and and it's it's like so much of it are things that so many in our audience can relate to. And and the fact of your sharing about you know your background in theater, etc., that explains why your performances are so fantastic. Not just the poetry and what's in it and the message that's so beautifully encapsulated, but your delivery of it. Thank you. I always feel like you know. I don't know how to say this. It's like, I may not be the best poet in the world, but the combination of the poetry and the, the soul energy that wants to come through, you know, the, 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 the joy that wants to come through the work or the pain or the compassion that wants to come through the work is as much a part of the poem for me. Yeah. So some poetry, you know, you can just read on the page, but people always tell me, and I sort of feel similarly that when they get to hear it or see it, it's a different experience because mm -hmm. it, you know, it's a, it's a, an emanation, you know, from the heart, right? Yeah. Oh, and so clearly it is. I mean, just you're talking about it again, I got chills from my experience of your poetry. And when you talked about, you know, the pain of it, you do such a fantastic job of also addressing because many creatives um, go through, uh, you know, have that sense of like beauty and creativity, but being ultra sensitive, oftentimes empathic or whatever, they're also uh, keyed into the pain of the world or their own, you know, like depressive states when it almost to a heightened degree off, off, off into a heightened degree. So you talk about that journey in a number of wonderfully creative ways that also, you know, that acknowledge it, that give it its moment on stage and then move it, help it move beyond that in just beautiful ways. I feel like for me, for my healing, for my journey, the way I navigated the darker hours is through writing. And so I find that if I can name the pain, if I can name the obstruction or name the heaviness, that if I find the language around that, that that is part of the liberation, right? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. You know, I always write my way into a more creative place, right? So sometimes I'll sit down to write a poem or I'll sit down and there's no way I'm in the right frame of mind or space to let something come through. And so at first, you know, you have to kind of name the gunk, yeah. right? <laughs> name the wretchedness. And sometimes that naming of the wretchedness itself turns into the poem. And my poetry often starts in the dark and ends up in the light, you know? Yeah. So, so speaking of that and those darker, the shadows that we cro cross through or the clouds that cover our, the light from our day or whatever, um, did you have many of those episodes growing up? Like you grew, growing up with a very aware and spiritually, you know, advanced in a way because your father, we know of your father and your father's work and it was amazing. So did you have like your own teenage rebellious stage of, okay, that's spirit and that's, I get it, but that's not what's real here. Or did you kind of bypass that? You know, it's kind of funny. I would say my brothers had their rebellion um, and I actually right early on felt a deep resonance with the work that my dad was doing. I was, I've always, you know, as an actress at the time, I, so interested psychologically in people and my father, you know, had a similar journey and curiosity and I, I resonated with the spirituality. I mean, I think if you don't rebel as a teenager, you end up rebelling when you're like 30, <laughs> which I think I maybe did like, you know, in the early 30s or something. I was like, oh, you know, um, but no, I was definitely kind of on board from the get go. And I, and I had a very, you know, I would say I had a very, 
supportive and nourishing childhood. So I feel quite blessed in that regard. Fantastic. Well, for our audience of artists, creators, writers, and entrepreneurs as well, anyone creating anything, a lot of them are going to be, many of them are poets. Um, so we will want to talk a little bit more about your poet, poetic journey, um, your journey as a poet in monetizing your, <laughs> your work, um, like you're on Patreon. And we want to talk a little bit about the astrology, um, as well as your, your podcast. So we're just going to touch on a number of those things. But for our audience who are not, who is not familiar with astrology or in particular esoteric mm -hmm. astrology versus mainstream astrology could you give a little description of the difference yeah so i always like to talk about astrology as a beautiful tool um, that is a science and art of cycles and relationships and you know it's so beautiful these days because really um we can all see that astrology is coming to the fore more and more people are looking to astrology and being willing to look below the surface of things or look above the surface of things you know so uh, astrology our, our little our blueprint is a map of the heavens the moment that we were born and it is definitely not a fatalistic science. If you've gone to an astrologer who's told you like this is going to happen, you know, you should run out the door because um, it's really a tool that you can use to blend the design of the heavens when you were born with your own free will. So um, it's a great way to identify your gifts. It's a great way to uh, grow your strengths. It's a great way to find encouragement to do what you're meant to do in the world. And in esoteric astrology, we look to what I would call the soul's calling. Why are we here? What are we here to give? How are we here to be generous? You know, And the rising sign in esoteric astrology is the sign that reveals the soul's purpose. And so that's one of the big differences is it's not so much about, you know, it's not just our traditional day-to-dayness. It's more about how can we generously give of our authentic selves, filling our own lives with joy and filling the lives of others with joy through that position of the rising sign. There's, it's so important because, you know, a lot of times like many in our audience, for instance, are maybe in their forties and fifties and they're at that place where they've done all the right things. They've checked all the boxes and, and now maybe they've had the family, the job, the kids and all those things. The dream, but the dream, but the, but the dream is missing. The creative expression of their life is missing. And also that connection to some, to more meaning and purpose, i.e. spirit. When it is that you have been living a certain life, it's so easy to get to the place of thinking that's who you are and what you are and what your life is about based on all that you've done thus far. So in this case, it would be seem like an esoteric astrologer by looking at also your rising sign and helping you understand the energies that that will bring into play would help people look forward into who they can become rather than who they are now because of all that's been. Beautifully, yes. And in esoteric astrology, you know, there, there are three main positions we look at. We look at the sun, the moon, and the rising sign. And the moon has a lot to do with our past. It has to do with our, our habitual behaviors. It has to do with the patterns that we get stuck in, but that also support us, you know, because they're easeful for us to incorporate, you know, and then the sun has to do with our doing self and our personality and the rising sign is really where we're headed. And so you said that so beautifully in that this gives us a glimpse of the, of the old and what no longer serves us as well as 
like lights a, a match or spark into what's possible. And honestly, as an astrologer for now many, many years, um, I would say that the, the primary thing that I do is I kindle the heart flame. I encourage, I, I encourage courage by mm-hmm. saying, this is how I, this is what I see. This is, you know, your potential. This is who you are and how can we help you live into it? Is there a area that's most important you think for people to focus on it within the three signs that you said that the moon sign is more about the past and then this was the sun sign is more about the present personality and then the rising sign. Is there an area if somebody's stuck, if somebody's trying to figure things out, is there an area that they should focus on or is that just different according to what they're going through and who they are? Yeah, you know, it does, it absolutely depends on, I would say, the level of consciousness, like what are, what are, who's, when the client comes in, what is he or she really interested in? Is she asking me questions about, you know, uh, what, what is the level of question, I should say, yeah. but the short answer is, look to the rising sign, because the rising sign is where you'll find the inspiration, and then use the sun and the moon as support to offering the rising signs gift. Right. So if you don't know, you're listening and you don't know your rising sign um, and you want one of the best possible astrological readings you could experience, I will definitely include Heidi's links to her website where you can sign up for um, a very high quality astrological reading from from Heidi. I'm so glad also that you said the thing about if if you go to an astrologer and they start telling you what's going to happen in the future, then run the other way and head out because that's sort of the conflict relative to being told that, you know, when is a good time for you to travel or when is a good time for, mm-hmm. and, and yes, it's sort of like, I look at it sort of like, um, when is a good time for a picnic? Well, maybe not when it's raining. And so that's sort of like what the astrology kind of helps you identify. Well, when might be a better time? Does it mean you can't go on a picnic under a pavilion with an umbrella? No. Um, so it's sort of like, since it is that we are creators of our own life and destiny, essentially by the choices we make and the decisions that we take throughout life, uh, it, it does seem like risky, you know, to project what's going to happen based on, you know, some astrological reading that only takes a small percentage of facts into consideration. Yeah. I mean, I hear so many stories that upset me around people who have visited astrologers who have told them, you know, you're going to have a difficult life or, um, you know, the next two years are going to be hellacious or, which is so crazy because there's, there, there are no bad planets. There are no bad (laughs) signs. We always have the opportunity to work with these energies in a very conscious way. And if we're bringing our consciousness and we're bringing our willingness it's just opportunity wherever you look. And yes, we are tested, but guess what? You know, if you can hold the idea that we grow through the test, it helps. And there are always ways to help us assist through the more difficult patches of life, knowing astrology as well. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I don't know nearly as much about astrology or even esoteric topics as much as my mom does. She's been more into that throughout her life. Um, though I have come across a lot of spiritual people and or just through whether it's online or in person and something I picked up immediately when going through your work is you're very direct you're very 
on point and very business oriented. How do you balance the two personalities? Because I've met other spiritual people who don't necessarily seem to have like the business side or the clarity down. And I just, I immediately picked up on your clarity and directness and was very attracted to it. Oh, I love that. That's so, that's so nice to hear. Well, actually, this is a good example. So my moon is in Capricorn, which is no nonsense, grounded, responsible, direct, authoritative, you know, right? <laughs> so I, and my mother was, is an architect, was an architect. And my dad was a, you know, cosmology, you know, like, you know, in, in the cosmos, right? Yes. Like, studied the cosmos. And so I am definitely a blend of that where I say, I do want to talk about the heavens and I do want to talk about the subtle energies and I do want to talk about what's not, you know, in the mainstream, but I don't want to talk about it in a flaky way. And I don't want to talk, you know, so I, you know, I tend to be myself, though I am very much in the world of the new age and in the the world of looking forward. Um, I also have a lot of skepticism around, you know, certain <laughs> certain distribution of this information so um that my moon is just part of who i am and it's very earthy and practical um so that's what you feel when you feel the directness well and so so since you've given us an example of your your moon sign and how that kind of affects you and how it influences you and and helps you um go ahead if you wouldn't mind sharing your sun and rising then sun and ascendant sure so um aries sun so that is the energy of the pioneer, and that is the energy of the one who comes forward with a new idea. And it can be quite feisty, but my Aries sun is somewhat qualified. In other words, there are other things that are working with it that make it a little bit of a softer Aries sun. So I'm more like interested in peace and bringing harmony <laughs> than a usual Aries, you know? Yeah. Um, so the Aries sun is in my area of teaching. So I, you know, pioneer in the area of teaching, and it's also in the area of spiritual matters and, and the spiritual path and higher education. So, at, you know, at, when I say the area, there are 12 houses in the chart, and each house represents a certain area of the life. So I have an airy sign, and then I have Leo rising, which is another fire sign. And Leo says, just never compromise the true radiant self. So never compromise the, 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 the heart's fire, never stand in courage, be who you are, lead the way through your authentic self. So I'm double fire, but I come from this very earthy place. Love yeah, wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's a great example of how it is that, you know, most people go through life thinking that, well, I'm Aries or Aquarius or Pisces, but again, that's just one piece. It, it, and really it re- does relate to that's our persona in the outer world, but there are also the other influences like your spiritual life and your emotional life that really go all to making up who you are. So that's a nice explanation and description for people. So like what percentage of your time, like you're a poet, you have published and you do TEDx talks, you do coaching, astrological readings. Um, How do you, how's your time allocated generally in your your creative time? Is it like, are you pretty structured with that or is it like all over the place? No, I, you know, it has to be very structured. Um, I would say, let's see, I would say in the last two years, my, you know, the plate has been full. And so I've been having to be very, very deliberate about where I put my attention. But when it comes to poetry, when it comes to the poetry, what I love to do is I go, I take myself 
myself away. I'm not a daily poetry writer, but I take myself away. I love Ojai is right near, near us in Los Angeles, and it's this beautiful sort of spiritual little town. And for the last 10 years, I have gone to do these personal retreats. I go by myself, and I stay for three or four nights, and I, you know, spend the first hour or two like sobbing or sleeping, um, you know, like oh, I'm finally alone. You know? and, then, um, and then I, you know, then I go and get a big cup of coffee or something, and then I, you know, and then I take a walk, and then I start to be able to make spaciousness to listen. And it's such a dream. And really, the first book of poetry came out of my Ojai trips, um, and. I am a kind of person in terms of my poetic life that it I need like 24 hours of, of, of silence or spaciousness in a way before they start to come through. Occasionally, a occasionally I'll sit down and be feisty and write a kind of fiery poem that I don't need that, but mostly I need space. So I do that. And then the is very structured because between clients and podcasts and things like that, I just need to know you know, it's my, again, Capricorn loves planning and it loves time and it loves, yeah. you know, but what's hilarious is I'm so good about that. And just before I got on this, this, um, I had a client walk into my back, into my back studio and I was like, what, what? <laughs> and I double booked. I never double booked. Oh. So I just thought it was strange and funny but anyway oh that's that is interesting that's funny well, oh, well. it would have been fine you could have let us know we could have let you, yeah. you know, <laughs> reschedule or whatever but we're glad you're here we're glad yeah. that you did it so you know so many in our audience that i mentioned earlier are, are interested in poetry and or writing poetry just developing that side mm -hmm. of themselves it's a challenging in a way this this era has more opportunity and more challenge for poets, it would seem, than any other, just because the poetry reading and poetry consumption of poetry and buying poetry books as um, as a practice, as an interest, is definitely down. You know, it used to be studied and revered, but spoken poetry um, and, you know, like poetry used in music. Like performance and, and poetry. Perform almost, yeah, yeah, performance poetry seems to be on the rise and so many opportunities. What has been your observation of that world, of that profession as a professional, and also some of the opportunities, some of the platforms that have served you most as a professional poet? I'm actually very encouraged in the last couple of years. Um, and, I, and I see it in this way. When I go into like a Barnes and Noble or an independent bookstore, the poetry section has grown. Mm. Uh, and I do, and I think it's some of the younger poets coming in, you know, like Rupi Kaur, um, Naira Wahid, like that, that maybe started out more performance oriented, but, but now are publishing books. Yeah. And the younger generation is reading. Um, which I think we were in a kind of stuck, stayed, kind of only elite, more academic uh, poetry world for a period of time. I mean, I always, I always get mad at the New Yorker. I like throw it across the room because I <laughs> feel like the poetry is understandable, you know. Um, occasionally, occasionally a good poem will come in there. But anyway, I do I feel encouraged by it. I think that, and in fact, I've done these Radiant Life retreats now for over 10 years and... Mm -hmm. When I started, the women would say, well, I'm here for the astrology and I'll, you know, I'll sort of endure the poetry. But then they would leave the retreats like, oh my God, the poetry is what I love the most, right? Mm -hmm. So I keep on, I feel like I'm just a person that 
consistently wants to introduce people to a poetic way of living. Mm. And part of the way that I do it is through writing my own poetry. And part of the way I do it is through uh, offering the gorgeous poetry of others that actually, you know, wakes us up and opens us. So I'm interestingly, I'm not a poet that like goes to great gatherings of poets. Like I am more in the David White category, you know, the kind of solo guy who travels and want and shares poetry to inspire people. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I wouldn't be accepted in the realm of the, you know, I don't know if I wouldn't be accepted, but I haven't, you know, gone that route of the more, um, this is a poetry gathering, this is a poetry foundation, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, right. Which, which almost makes it more accessible, I would think, uh, more relatable, maybe? I don't know. But yeah, what what are the venues? You, so you said you uh, identify more with like the traveling, almost like the um, traveling bards that would tell stories. Um, so, but through poetry for you, what are the platforms? So if somebody's get coming in and like, I want to share my poetry, I want to publish a book, I want to perform it. Where do you recommend they start? Just local gatherings? How does that work? Well, you're going to hear a very Aries answer, which is that I am such a um, self-generator. And honestly, when I said I wanted, okay, I want to start sharing my poetry, I started something called Backyard Illuminations. And I said, friends, I'm giving a talk. Come to my backyard. <laughs> I, and, you know, I will say, like, my first little talk in my backyard, there were 50 people there. and. Wow. And we, and, and they were like, I, you know, a bunch of them were like, I've never really been to a talk or a poetry reading or whatever. And so I just started to share in that way. Mm. I c- kept consistently showing up and my friends, bless them, initially were my audience and would and then would bring a friend and then would bring a friend. And I self-published my own books because I, because I'm impatient and because <laughs> I'm so impatient. And practical. Like, and you're also practical as an Aries, right? Yeah. And Capricorn. Yeah. 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 And I just said, I'm, I'm not going to wait. Um, I want these out there. And I use the poetry books as kind of calling cards because now I can say, okay, I have these books and do you want to hear me? Do you want me to come to this conference or, you know? Um, and then I would just say to you that the first TEDx uh, offering that I gave came through relationships. It's like one of the women that had attended all of my retreats was at school with a woman that was organizing the TEDx event and said, you have to meet, you know, so it's for, I think in this world, it's so much about cultivating creative relationships, which is what you're doing. You know, you're helping people do that. Um, And creating communities that then where we can support one another. So I don't even have a list of, I mean, I could probably dig up a list of conferences or things like that. And, you know, I I have opened some conferences with poetry or things, but that's all come through relationships. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. And then just one thing that we're really big on is just doing it, just getting started, putting the, you know, one step in front of the other kind of thing. And figuring out what uh, medium is best for your expression. So some people, it might be stage, like what you do. You're just so good at the performance of it. And part of that comes from your acting background. Some people might find that they're so much more expressive with a camera and recording it and uploading it to YouTube. And that might be the start of your audience building that online presence for it. So really getting into the process of the creativity and allowing yourself to test the best medium for yourself. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm 100% because, again, just do it is very Aries phrase. Yeah. Just, just, just do it. Just get yeah. up there. You know? um, and, and, you know, some people, like if you have strong Virgo, let's say, oftentimes I find that when people have strong Virgo, it's hard <clears throat> to get it out because it has to be perfect, because it has to be, you know, it, I have to refine it and I have to refine it a little more and I have to refine it a little more. So that's why Aries and Virgo actually do really well together because the Aries is always encouraging the Virgo to just do it. And the Virgo is like, don't leap before you fix your hair or whatever it is. You know what I mean? so they, they do well together. Yeah. Um, I also find that like Scorpios sometimes have more of, um, a, it's a, it's a scary, scary thing to put themselves out into the world of social media um, because there's such a protection and there's such a carefulness and there's such a, so there, every sign has its reason why just doing it is, is tricky, but yeah. is the way to get going. No, that's such a great point because I mean, I'm also an Aries son and, uh, and I, even when I have times struggling with pushing myself through something that's difficult, then I have compassion for those that don't have as much fire for instance in their sign and how uh, it's not as simple as just doing it so what is your counsel to those who are you know whether it's the scorpio the virgo whatever it is who's being held back from doing things that they really you're to being more fully themselves and who they're able to be um, by virtue of not having that power pack behind them as it were what what tend i know it would vary depending on the signs right but do you have a kind of in a general overview yeah, it definitely depends. It absolutely depends on who I'm talking to and what kind of encouragement they need. You know, some people need to, to have a fire lit under them and some people need to feel safe and to feel safe, like come to take the next tiny. And some people need to move very slowly and, and celebrate each step along the way, you know, um, and some people need to slow down because they're, they've gotten ahead of themselves and they're going to crash and burn, you know? So, um, Fire signs generally are, are game. They're like, let's go for it. Let's dive in. Um, earth signs generally need to feel that they have a plan in place. And so you help them create a step-by-step -step plan. Um, air signs, they love to talk about it. You know, Gemini, Libra, Aquarius. Um, and they, you have to make sure that they stop talking about it and start taking that. You know, so it's like enough generating of the ideas. Um, and then water generally, Water is about coaxing out of the fear or the hesitation or the invisibility. A lot of water signs like to be behind the scenes, you know? And so it's like, well, come, it's okay. It's safe. We are loved. All will be well. Let's just start, you know? So, I mean, those are very sweeping generalizations, but they hold true. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So for um, along these lines for our audience, you could have two Aries um, and they can be such, so different. And obviously we know we're learning that it, some of the, depending on the moon and the rising, then that could influence that difference. But it could also be that they have the Aries for different reasons that they need to cultivate different things. Could you speak to that? Well, it also, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll talk to somebody and they say, Oh, I just don't feel like a Leo, you know? And it's, it's because there are so many other factors at play. So in other words, like where, where is the Leo sun shining? If it's shining in the eighth house, which is the house of 
secrets and privacy and intimacy, then the Leo is not going to be a tap dancing Leo that's like, follow me, right? It's going to be a psychological, deep, you know, it could be somebody that was a writer about, you know, the darkness, right? But it's not going to, it's not going to be blazing and in the spotlight necessarily. So first you have to look at what house that sun is shining in. And then, like I was saying, I'm not a typical because the planet that sits right next to my sun is Saturn. So I have this very disciplining, sometimes muting, sometimes um, burdensome <laughs> planet at a certain level that squash, you know, early in life squashes the like, I'm going to do this. Don't do that. I'm going to do this. Don't do that. You know, I'm going to jump in. Don't jump in. Because it's a fear, but then you work with those energies to grow the the authority. And um, so it's never enough to say I'm I'm an Aries. And then also we have to look at the levels of consciousness of the Aries. You know, what do you want? And one person wants a a Lamborghini, and one person wants to save the world, and those are going to be different. (laughs) Definitely. So, um, sorry, you lost my thought. Um, okay, so just, oh, I remember what it was now. For those who are still, like, like again, the, just the mainstream uh, dial-up, you know, horoscope.com, whatever, it's going to be generic in a broad, very broad way, which is why it rarely um, relates directly to an individual. Or it's so general sweeping that it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, I, Anyone I relate, can relate to that because it. it's like, well... Who can't relate yeah, to it? Yeah, exactly. So for, for those um, people who are, you know, like want to know more about how that works and how you can hone in and or for those who are going, well, wait a minute, how is it that the map of the sky influences who I am so much? Can you share about that? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big question. And it's a great question. Um, we've always been looking to the heavens always, you know, we used to look to the heavens to know when to plant and when to move. And, um, and, and the way that I like to think of it is the moment that we're born, if we took a snapshot of the, of the cosmos, of everything around us, we would be like, if I was being born in this moment, I would have a relationship with the two of you because you are right there, right? I would have a relationship with this microphone. I would have a relationship, you know, like, you know, Everything around me, there is a dance going on, an energetic dance, because we're so much beyond just the form of things. And so the planets that are also great living entities that are evolving in their own consciousness also will have an impact. They're not doing anything to us, but we are in the sphere of their energy. If I'm sitting next to a very beneficent, wonderful human and I'm held and nourished when I'm born, uh, that is going to have an impact. So likewise, we are in the orb or the energy of these, of these archetypal energies. So, um, and, and we just, it, it's, I love to sort of work with people that are a little more skeptical because we go back through their lives and we go back through the previous cycles. And as we start to name these precise times that these cycles occurred, then you can start to say, my gosh, maybe there's something to this. And you can look forward in a different way. 
and experiment. And astrology, you got to be willing to just experiment. You got to be willing to look around and say, well, do I notice a similar texture between my five Aries friends? Do I notice a similar, you know, so this is relatively, it's an age old science. It's one of the most ancient science and and art forms, but it's also in in its new stages. It's going to evolve like crazy. And we're actually at the cutting edge of it. Right. Which is amazing. It's amazing to consider being on the cutting edge of an ancient science because it's like that's its next level of evolution. Um, so I have a question on both the ancient and the, the future, present and future of that relative to. So yeah, I don't know if you I don't know if this is like a known thing, but it's ancient. It was mapped out because, you know, our, our ancient ancestors didn't have all this, the distractions. And so they had lots of time to lay back and look at the skies, you know, right? <laughs> and, and, and then figure things out. Yeah. Well, like, how did that? Like, who was it that decided that, you know, the, the Mars at this place, it was going to affect the synergy and it was affecting people? Like, do you know, like, how all that began? Well, there's a whole history of astrology, right? And there's definitely an evolution around even in the last 150 years, much of what we say about the planets was uh, sort of evolved over the last 150 years when we began to sort of discover the whole realm of psychology and when we looked inward and outward. And of course, the Greek gods and the Roman gods are also connected to these great, these great planets. And so the stories of the Greek gods and the Roman gods, I mean, they all in, are infused. And, and so it's an, it's an ever unfolding story um, that is, has mystery to it too, because it's not like, well, at this point, this person named this, this, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of being woven together as we go. And somehow it, it, it just has this deep resonance. You know, I've been doing, I would say I've done, you know, thousands of charts and I always love the moment in the first 10 minutes of a reading where somebody who has never had a chart done before, you know, just goes <gasps> like, Oh, yeah. that, that's a little, that's a little, snapshot that's a little snapshot of what i've been wrestling with my whole life and i don't i don't say that that's because of my my particular gift i say it because guess what the i mean the energies reveal energies reveal the blueprint of who we are so now that makes uh, yes i i hear all of that and it is complex and complicated and yet it makes sense and that's been my experience as well about uh, how spot on it is when you go into the deeper science and have a thorough esoteric astrological chart done um along those lines though so like i don't know in the past however many years 10 dozen a couple dozen it is that they've discovered was it chiron or chiron 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 and then suddenly you start hearing from the astrologers all about what that does and what that means. And because of Chiron, this and that's going to happen. It's sort of like, well, what happened before we knew Chiron was there? You know, like, how does that work? And how is it suddenly that somebody knows that that's what Chiron represents? So since that is, like I was saying, the more the present and the future, more a part of the current modern developing astrology. Can you share more about that? Well, I would just say we discover planets and, and planetary bodies as we're ready to discover the energy of that body, right? So, you know, we discovered some of the major Uranus, Neptune, when, when during the Industrial Revolution, you know, during Romanticism, like you can see what was going on in our world that echoed the nature of this planetary being. And it said in 
Esoteric Astrology, which is a book by Alice Bailey, which by the way, I should say like the whole science of esoteric astrology was probably really deeply named and began with the writing of that book, um, Alice Bailey in the, in the, in the thirties. Um, but yeah, no, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we were talking about Chiron and okay. the development. So it said that we discover um, there are like over 110 undiscovered planets in mm -hmm. our solar system that we have yet to see. So that's just another interesting mystery that, that these come to us when we're ready. And so the wounded healer, you know, discovered in the 70s, I believe, um, comes when we're at this precipice of learning about our own wounds and learning how we can go dig deeper psychologically and learning how we can heal ourselves so we can heal one another. And of course, the, the naming of something too is really mysterious. So somebody chose to name it Chiron, somebody, and Chiron is a mythical figure of old, right? So yeah. it's, not a, it's not linear, and it's not like A plus B plus C equals this, you know? Right, right. It's interesting because I, having grown up, as Devani mentioned, um, exposed to a lot of esoteric things, and astrology was just like a normal thing. Um, I just assumed, you know, I went through assuming everything that I was told was as it is. And then, you know, sort of on the other side of that 30th, what, 30 something, you know, personal <laughs> crises of saying, well, wait a minute, you know, who says, and, and how do we know that's true? And is it really kind of thing? And, you know, so, yeah, I think it's all about rediscovering it from the standpoint of asking probing questions. And if it doesn't resonate with you, then it's not for you right now. Um, and if it does, then proceed and go deeper into it to learn more about it, because it definitely is a tool along those discoveries and things you know that I'm sure that there was a lot of buzz going on in the astrological world back when you know the science was saying well Pluto is or isn't a planet and all that but that doesn't really affect the influence of Pluto Pluto still Pluto from an astrological standpoint right yes yes and you know we you know we I still call planet not Pluto a planet you know I just yeah. I, um, yeah. uh, there is a reorganization of categorization but it, it is a deeply powerful energy that that has great resonances within the chart that I've seen again and again and again. So in a way, it doesn't even matter if it's a planet because we look at asteroids and we look at planetoids and we look at, you know, all these other positions that have an impact as well. So yeah, name it what you will. It's, it's powerful. <laughs> I feel like it's more about the energy in the universe and how it chooses to appear and then what it means to us and how it affects us. Yeah, yeah, well said, yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we also are gardeners. We have a gardening website, gardensall.com. And, you know, of course, the far Farmer's Almanac has been out for such a long time and farmers and people who are very, very down to earth may or may not have any interest in astrology know well the influence of sort of some of the spherical events on planting, on plants and that sort of thing, the moon on the planet and that sort of thing. Um, so definitely it has been around for a while and, um, and, May I just say, one of the things that I have been doing now for two years is every morning I write um, what I'm calling a moon note. Um, and I, it's on Instagram, it's on Facebook, it's on my website, you know. But the reason why I bring it up is the reason why I'm doing this is to 
get people to start to pay attention to the subtle energies. So on one hand, in esoteric astrology, the moon is our past. So why am I talking about our past? Why am I talking about these old patterns? But the moon is also the moves the quickest. So every two days we get to experience a new energy. And so there's a whole group of people now that are following and noticing these palpable shifts. So, so every morning they tune in, they, they, and then they start to be like a scientist and, and study. Do I feel that? Do I not feel that? Um, sometimes people wait till the end of the day to say, did I feel that? Did I not feel that? You know? Um, and it's, it's a great way for people that are new to astrology to start to see if the subtler energies are registering for them or not. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm so glad you said that because we were noticing your handwritten notes that you publish uh, on Instagram on the the moon note. So that's fantastic. It's very engaging. It's your great social media strategy as well from the practical business growth standpoint. Um, And we've had a lot of conversations, Devani and I and our family, about how um, so much of what's happening today is how we're out of touch, you know, with our own intuition and the, the signs that are there for us, just like what you described, whether it's physical symptoms for health um, and little things that probably our ancestors kind of immediately had a sense of cause and effect and a sense of how to remedy if they felt a certain thing or even taste. Their tastes were so keen that they might know which plant to go to for a certain healing because they were so in touch with that. Um, So that makes a lot of sense relative to the cycles of the moon as well. Now, full moon cycle is known to be or thought to be, well, well, from the mainstream we know that the police officers officers say that there are more arrests uh, and or domestic disputes during that time there's more animation going on in the world during that time for them there's more going on in hospitals between births and deaths and that sort of thing um and so what can you share with our audience about that from your astrological perspective yeah in esoteric astrology the full moon is considered the heightened spiritual point of the month and even if the moon is in the moon itself is in Aquarius, let's say, considered the full moon of Leo. Okay, so it's considered the the the, the sign where the sun, the full moon, like this month. Here we are in Virgo. We're going to be celebrating the full moon of Virgo, even though the moon's in Pisces, and that is because during a full moon. The moon is out of the way of the sun's rays. So the solar life is emphasized. And that's what we want to emphasize. We don't want to emphasize the old lunar life. We want to emphasize the solar life. And so you could say the energy of that constellation is coming through most strongly during the full moon. And it's meant to be a time that we gather. I... uh, you know, online and across the globe or in person. And it's meant to be a time when we gather as humanity and um, grow the light and share the light and bless humanity. So is that, um, do you have a specific full moon cycle time when you do your retreats? You know, my retreats um, are, there's a little bit of the Capricorn practicality about timings of things. So they don't, they're not always connected to the full moons. 
Um, but they are, I, I will always look at the astrology uh, for sure of the, when the Radiant Life Retreat starts, when it ends, the journey of the retreat, what's in it, you know, so um, I definitely have paid close attention to that. And I think we've had a few where we've had a full moon or a new moon during yeah. it. Fantastic. Okay, so on, so you don't always, aren't always able to coordinate, but if you were able to coordinate your retreats, um, your private retreats with the full moon period, would you, I'm, would you not choose the full moon then since you say that's a good time to commune with others? Um, and you mean my solo retreats or do yeah. you, um, no, it's fine. It's fine to be alone as long as you, you know, go inward and connect, you know, okay. and, um, sort of connect those points of light across the globe. And, um, and, and it's interesting that you ask that because I guess I have never really consciously chosen a, a, a private retreat around that because mostly I have little kids and I'm like, when can I get away? And it's like, please give me days, you know, I don't care what the astrology is for my own private retreat as long as I can have three days by myself, you know, I mean, <laughs> I will, I will notice, you know, I'm like, oh, it's in Gem moons in Gemini. It'd be great for writing or something, but right. um, usually it's more practical concerns when it comes to uh, those little getaways. And how about new moon? Does that have any influence, any effect? Yeah, new moon is, a, it's, 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 it's as beautiful as it sounds. All things are new. You know, you feel that restoration. You feel that potential for the new, um, you know, you feel that the presence of the new, even though the moon is not yet visible, do you know? So you have the faith that something will grow. You plant seeds. Um, I always like to write in my moon notes on the new moon days. I'm like, the moon is yeah. new. You know, just, I don't know. There's something that's so lovely about that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So um, for your poetry, or you're, you're a Patreon, you're on Patreon. And is that for astrology or poetry or... All you know it. what I find is I started that, I'd heard about it over a year, like a year and a half ago, and somebody had a podcast, and they said, oh, we're starting this Patreon account to, to have some support for the podcast, and I thought, oh my gosh, that would be amazing, because I actually, at the time, was spending a good chunk of money to have it produced and everything, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be lovely if I didn't have to pay to produce this, because it's already, a, you know, obviously a free offering, as you know. Um, so... I mostly started around the podcast, but really what I feel like the people that have joined in, join in because they love what I'm creating at different levels. So they love my poetry self, or they love my astrology self, or they love, you know, the, the teacher, whatever. So I'm, um, and a lot of them are joining because I have a huge, uh, sort of offering for people that join at the $5 level. That's like basically two years worth of astrology, introductory astrology material. Wow. Fantastic. Um, so, you know, and I do it like a 10 week course that I did a while ago and I've made free now. And um, so it, 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 I would highly recommend it to your listeners. Um, it, it requires, it requires the ask and it requires the uncomplicated ask, you know, some, I, when I started, I was like, well, if you really, if you want to, um, I have this little thing and, you know, you, right. you find yourself kind of like, right. um, you don't really have to, it's free. <laughs> um, but as, as the, as the year and a half has gone on, it's just, it's lovely to just say, I am creating a lot that you are enjoying and benefiting from. And please join the circle of support. And it's a beautiful community. That's the other thing is to, let it feel like a community of people that 
are of like minds and like hearts and, you know, that, that want to celebrate and know more about these things. Yeah. And be a little bit more connected. It makes sense also from the standpoint of, you mentioned you had like several years worth of body of work. So especially for those creatives who have already been creating a lot of content, then it to join now, it won't be such a burden because they have an inventory, a library of content that they can just repopulate in ways that their audience will enjoy. And the fact of creating that uh, helps them discover what their audience enjoys more of so that they can create yeah. more of that. And, you know, when you, when you commit to something like this, it's also, you're saying, I'm going to show up. Yeah. So you know, when I, when I started it, I said, look, I'm going to, for those of you that join at this level, I'm going to show up twice a month and we're going to talk astrology and I'll show up for an hour and 15 minutes and let's have a community discussion. And, but that means that I signed, that I showed up for a year or for twice, twice, you know, so, but that's good for a creative person to have deadlines and to have responsibilities and, yeah. you know. Definitely. So speaking before, of, before you move to the yeah. last questions, mm -hmm. um, can I just ask um, if you want to share a little bit about your Radiant Retreat, Radiant Project Retreat? Yeah. yeah. So um, they're called Radiant Life Retreat. Yeah. I started them 10 years ago. Um, they, they've been for women all along, but uh, last retreat, I invited men as well. So now I'm going to alternate doing men and then co-ed, I mean, women and then co-ed and then women and co-ed. Um, they are a reflection of what I do. So they are uh, retreats that involve your astrological chart, poetry that involve community, that involve uh, us each growing to give our gifts. And they're some of the most deep and beautiful and sort of safe and love fest gatherings <laughs> um, and, and thank, thanks to the community of women that return and return and return. So always half the women are returning women and half. Wow. So, wow. That's Testament yeah. for sure. And when is your next one? The next one is October. Uh, it's this upcoming October 20th through the 24th and it's in Ohio at a beautiful, beautiful ranch and Come. It's all, all the information is on my website. <laughs> Definitely. Which we'll link to. Fantastic. Awesome. So in closing, you were talking about how it's good for creatives to have structure. So, and you're a Capricorn, so you also enjoy structure. You have Capricorn. Um, do you have daily creative structure? And would you like to share that? I would say in terms of activity, the, 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 the piece that has been a daily creative structure is that every morning you last two years, I show up to write that moon note. Mm. So to write a page of creative, uh, you know, poetry, really, it's got a form of poetry, has been my greatest uh, creative um, showing up. So I do that every day. And that um, has changed a lot for me just by showing up, you know, mm -hmm. um, and just by trusting what moves through me, what spontaneously moves through me. Um, so that's probably the greatest creative act of the day. But I would say I also wake up early, very early. And one of the first things I do is I go outside and I just breathe. I just take three deep breaths on my back porch, you know. Um, and I also am a, a fan of taking a walk around the block, you know, whenever I start to feel hazy because I work out of my home. I see clients in my studio. Um, and I would say the other piece of my, the structure of my creative life is collaboration. So mm -hmm. I have a number of people with whom I work and you guys are doing the same thing that help you 
feel like you're generating material together that makes it all the more lovely, you know? So a typical day would be doing a podcast, doing a couple of charts, you know, um, starting the day writing the moon notes, ending the day writing um, often as well. So nice nice balance too. Yeah, it rotates through. And what advice, I mean, you've shared lots of advice for people for, you know, cultivating their own inner intuition to uh, getting out there, putting themselves out there. But do you have an important, a most important lesson you'd like to close with? I, I guess I would say at this point in my life, what I am is deeper self-compassion, tinier, more organic steps forward. Mm. Um, and a, a consistent like return to the breath and to the heart to, because it's, it's, we're all carrying so much right now and there's so much pressure and so much pain and heartbreak. And, and we all are like trying to move forward with our creative endeavors. And, you know, there's the whole world of competition and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just to let all that fall away and to be quiet with oneself and to be loving with oneself and to be gentle with oneself and to say, what's the next tiny step that makes sense for me to take as a creative being today? Let, oh, let me excellent. take it. And then let me congratulate myself that I took it. That's <laughs> awesome. I love Beautiful. that. That's perfect. So in closing, we like to invite you to share your future vision if you would like to um, sort of like share your goal and vision for your future out loud here. I think it is a, it's like, you know, the time-lapse photography flowers, you know, it's like, I'm sort of like, you know, mid bloom and I'd like to finish the bloom. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing, I'm in the right bloom. Um, and I, I would say more specifically, I would like to be speaking more and sharing more of my poetry and my uh, astrologically inspired encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I'm working on a series of, of little astrology books that offer purely that, that offer encouragement and vitality and love and not just the facts of the sign. So they become like little um, gifts that you can give that say, I see you, I love you, you're doing great, you know. So awesome. that's a great project. That sounds fantastic. We love that. Well, we've so enjoyed sharing this time and space with you, Heidi. Thank you for joining us for the I Create Daily Podcast. Thank you. And thank you for creating the I Create Daily podcast. It's so important and beautiful. And I really enjoyed being with both of you. Thank Thank you. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us for the I Create Daily podcast. Please let us know what creatives you would like us to interview and what topics you would be interested in hearing more about. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave a review on iTunes. We value your feedback. We read all the reviews and it just helps us get the word out on the I Create Daily podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.